0: Good morning! It is wonderful to see you all this morning, and I really mean that. I have known for uh, a couple of months that I was going to be preaching this particular Sunday, and uh, by the way, it's the third year in a row that I've got to preach this Sunday. so. as I'm watching what's unfolding in our world, and leading up to this Sunday, I had, uh, I had two main prayers. I asked the Lord to be here this morning, and then I asked the Lord that you would be here this morning. I did not want to preach to empty seats at all. So literally, I have been praying for months for you to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Let me start this morning by sharing a little bit with you about Mission Norman. Um, Back in August, I became the director at Mission Norman and uh, I believe I know a little bit more about it now that I can tell you about, uh, more so than I did then. Um, I've had a lot of you ask me, so what is it that you're doing now? And what is it exactly that Mission Norman does? So let me tell you about that for just a second. In short, we are a food pantry and we're transitional housing for the homeless. Um, Back in 1998, there was a guy by the name of Gene Barnes who just had a burden for uh, the lower income people, if you will, and he started a Bible study in, a, in an apartment complex, and uh, his desire was to see those people meet Jesus. Uh, one of the needs that he found, the largest need that he found while he was there, was that these people were hungry. They didn't have enough food. So the food pantry was born out of a Bible study, literally. And uh, to this day, it's still the largest part of our ministry, if you will. Um, we bring people in and uh, read them a menu and let them choose from what we have. We are what's known as a choice pantry. We're the only place in Norman that does that. And um, we don't send food home with people that they're not going to eat. That way we don't waste anything that we've been given. And uh, like I said, that's our largest part of our ministry. And then about five years ago, um, the second part of our ministry began with the building of uh, the first of what we hope to be many more transitional housing units. And um, these units, it's one roof with uh, four homes under this one roof. And what we do, what we specialize in, is uh, ministering to homeless families. So your criteria to be um, uh, to live at Mission Norman, if you will, is uh, to be homeless with children. So we bring them in off of the street and we put them in their own home. We furnish the home, and uh, we uh, highly encourage and lead and help them to go on job interviews. And uh, ideally, they're going to be with us for a maximum of 12 months. But during those 12 months, they're going to have steady work, and uh, we teach them to budget. We teach them to manage their money, to save money. And by the end of their stay with us, they hopefully, and this this doesn't always happen, but it does happen often. Hopefully, uh, when they move out, they will take all of their things with them. They will have enough money for all of their deposits, and they will have a few months' worth of rent. So they don't start out in the hole. Um, you might have seen a video that I put out a week or two ago Uh, it was really just a celebration about one of these families that came to us in that particular situation and was able to uh, get their feet underneath them they moved right down the street I literally loaded their kitchen table up in my truck and drove it to their new place Uh, and since they have moved out they have uh, uh, have come back a time or two to volunteer with us. Um, it just kind of lets you know the relationship that we we try our best to have with our people. Um, the, the other thing that we do with our transitional housing folks is I do my best to get them plugged with a church. Um, I know personally that Their stay with us is going to end at some point, Uh, but I want to have that church life embedded in them as well as I can by the time they move out so that they know either one of two things. Um, Your church family walks with you regardless of where you live, or if you have to move somewhere so far away that you can't go to church where you're plugged in at, um, the first thing you want to do when you get to town is figure out what church you're going to go to. Start praying about where the Lord would have you to go, but... Thank you for those of you um, who have asked and inquired about the mission, and uh, if you've got questions or would like to learn more about the mission, you can come down and talk to me after the service, or you can give me a call or an email or just however you would like to reach out, Uh, but I'll share with you, as I begin to um, go on this journey with the Lord, I have prayed uh, continuously that God would walk with me through this journey, And as a matter of fact, I've prayed it so many times. Um, I'm gonna preach over the text this morning in Luke chapter 24 uh, of Jesus literally walking with two of his disciples. So if you'd be turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, we will pick up reading in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped. They stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him the things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How unwise! And slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it is almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was walking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and thank you for the day. And we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you uh, that you are here. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you would overcome the limitations of your speaker this morning. And I pray that uh, you would speak through me. Um, Lord, help us to feel your presence and to hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Several years ago, a friend of mine sent me uh, on a trip to Israel. And before we left, we read a book or two, and we had to study some of the sites that we were going to see Each one of us who was going had uh, specific sites that we would give devotions on. And uh, during this book that we were reading, um, this guy wrote a book about the Israel experience, if you will. And uh, he made the comment in the book that you will not feel the presence of God anymore in Jerusalem or in Israel ...that you do here in America. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thought. It's an interesting concept. And uh, the first couple of days we were there, we went to a few different spots... And uh, I remember driving on this bus, and we we drove by the Sea of Galilee several times. And I figured out later they did this to us on purpose, right? It was kind of a teasing thing, right? So the majority of the Gospel Center around the Sea of Galilee. Well, they took us here and they took us there, and we just kind of watched it from afar and watched it go by. And I thought one day, you know what? You can't feel God's presence any more here than what you can at home. Well, the next day, I ate those words. Bad, because we began uh, our trek around the Sea of Galilee, and uh, the boat on the, on the sea itself got to preach a message on the Sea of Galilee. Well, one day, one evening, when the day was kind of coming to an end, um, we didn't make it to one of our stops, and we had a little bit of time left, and uh, they pulled the bus over to this particular spot, and it's known as the, uh, the Road to Nazareth. And now, when you go to Israel, there's a couple of things that um, I learned the hard way, but uh, you'll learn when you get there. When they say this is the historical site of something, um, it means this is, this is uh, what's been handed down. This is what we believe to be the accurate place, right? So the road to Nazareth, I want you to p- picture a mountain range this way, and a mountain range this way, and the two come together, and they flow through just like this, right? So when it came to the road to Nazareth, there was no historical spot. It's the only spot from the Sea of Galilee that you walk to and through on your way to Nazareth. As I got out and began to walk down this road, uh, there was no question. I was literally walking where Christ has walked, and it just, I don't know, that was just kind of a, a weight that rested on me, and it was, uh, it was extremely heavy, um, and I have never forgotten that. And I've also never forgotten about the dust in Israel. It does something different than what it does here, and, I, and I'm a detailed guy, so I noticed the dust, all right? I kept asking everybody else around, did you see the dust? And they're like, the dust, what? Now, either way, when you're walking, the dust, it lingers up. It does this weird thing. It doesn't blow with the wind. It doesn't, sh- whatever. It just, you just kind of watch it raise up. It, it's weird. Either way, it's something that I brought home from Israel. Um, that was just a little, a little sidestep. Sorry about that. Where I need you to be this morning is on that road with me to Emmaus. There's two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. We don't know where Emmaus was, um, There's some guesses, but we do know what Emmaus means. Emmaus means warm wells. Uh, And I don't know if that does anything for you or not, but when I found out that the word Emmaus means warm wells, it made sense to me why I leave this place the way that I do week in and week out. I'm warm when I leave here, and I hope that you're warm when you leave here as well. But two men, two people, walking down the road. And they were discussing life and arguing. By the way, the word walk in Scripture is a very interesting word. Most often in the New Testament, it does not mean putting one foot in front of the other. Most often in the New Testament, you find that the word walk means how you live. It deals with your behavior so every time I see the word walk, it, that just shines out brightly. It's, it's your behavior. And I got to thinking about this, and I got to thinking about um, all the people in Scripture who walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Job Abraham, they all walked with God. And then we come to a little unique spot in Scripture where we meet a guy named Jacob. He didn't just walk with God. He literally wrestled with God. Throughout this pandemic, Jacob's story just keeps going over and over and over in my mind. And um, I'll share that with you right quick. So Jacob uh, found himself in a, a famine, not quite like a pandemic, but something like a pandemic. And there was a food shortage, a very large food shortage. Jacob and his family were starving, literally. And I'll just go ahead and interpret my perspective on Jacob's story for you before I tell you the whole thing. God needed to get his people from point A to point B. All right? So, he did some really oddball things. He took the one thing that Jacob loved in life more than anything else. That would be his son, his favorite son, Joseph. And he put him in Egypt. And then Jacob took the one thing in life that Jacob couldn't live without. Food. And he put it all in Egypt. Jacob, I want you to go to Egypt, right? Jacob's still hanging out. He's not moving anywhere. So uh, he loses one son. He loses another son, so he thinks. And he's sitting in his house one day, and this is the part that I've had to fight against for the last nine months. I've had to fight this really hard. Jacob is sitting in his house. Everybody there is starving, not just the people in his house, but the people in the entire land. Everybody is experiencing hunger. Right? They're upset. They've lost things. They've lost people. Things are not well. Jacob says, why me? Why is this happening to me? As I said, I have fought very hard to not see myself alone in this pandemic. Our God's bigger than that. Right? Everybody is going through a pandemic. You are not the only one suffering through this pandemic. I used to call a friend of mine the worst part of summer, burn up all day long, sweating, grumpy. I'd call him and say, What are you doing? he'd say, I'm sweating. And I'd say, that's all I needed here. Appreciate that, buddy. Just wanted to know I wasn't the only one. He man, you're wrong. Literally. Let, let him go at that point. I just needed to know I'm not the only one going through this, right? You're not the only one who's suffering during this time of pandemic. So I want you to notice that There was two guys, and they were walking down this old, dusty road. And they were talking about and arguing about things. What were they arguing about? Well, my guess is it was the age-old argument, OU versus OSU. I mean, my guess is they were arguing about mask or no mask, Vaccine? No vaccine. I mean, picture it. One of them was wearing a red shirt, and one of them was wearing a blue shirt. Did I mention it was election year when they were walking down this road? They were on different sides of the political arena, right? By the way, I'm pretty sure when Jesus came near, he wasn't wearing red, white, or blue. I heard a pastor in a devotion the other day that said something that I felt like we all needed to hear. He said, you know Jesus is not American, right? Jesus isn't American. I'm pretty sure he wasn't wearing red, white, or blue. These guys walking down the road when Jesus came near. Can I tell you that You don't have to get your life straight before Jesus comes near. Can I tell you that you don't have to clean up before Jesus will come near? Matter of fact, the cleanup process starts when He does come near. Somebody needs to hear that today. You don't have to get things right in life for Jesus. Come near. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, for the church, I want you to know that he is near. And that he is walking with you. And I feel like at times, we feel like we're alone. And we're doing this on our own. And we forget that he's walking with us. And if we forget that he's walking with us, we might miss... When he speaks to us, he's walking with us and he does speak to us. As these two are talking about Jesus, Jesus comes walking up and he says, Hey, what is it that you two are arguing about? Scripture says that they stop and they look discouraged. And one of them asked, are you the only stranger in town who doesn't know the things that have taken place in these last days? And he says, what things? They said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Don't miss what they just said to him. They, they explained their disappointment with Jesus to Jesus. Did you catch that? I've often thought, what would I do if I was arguing with somebody and Jesus walked in? I think I'd probably be embarrassed. Well, these guys were discouraged. when he he draws and pulls a little bit out of them, they said, well, we had hoped that Jesus was who he said he was. We had high hopes for Jesus. He was a prophet, mighty in word and in deed. He spoke like nobody else has ever spoke. He healed people. He helped people. He gave us hope but then he was killed. We had hoped that He was going to redeem Israel. Has Jesus ever disappointed you? I mean, there's plenty of people in Scripture that were disappointed with Jesus. I've been disappointed a time or two with the Lord seems like every time it dealt with death but then after I stop and think about it and after I stop and look at the circumstances what Jesus did was far better than what I wanted it was far better than what I had asked for I just want you to know that the things that God does whether we understand them or not they're good they're for our benefit, and I always end up grateful that He answers my prayers according to His will and not mine in the end. So as Jesus is walking and asks them what they're talking about, they explain their disappointment, their interpretation of the resurrection, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And by the way, we've got to give these two guys props. We got to give them brownie points they're talking about jesus in public right you don't need me to tell you that you're supposed to be talking about jesus but let me remind you that you're supposed to be sharing jesus with people you're supposed to be sharing the gospel right a few weeks ago I was sitting in a restaurant with my family, and uh, I could overhear a conversation that was a few tables away from us, and uh, it was a, a gentleman that had two younger guys sitting across from him, and they were talking about the Lord, and they were talking about discipleship. He had got them a commentary, and uh, he was going to sit down with them. They were going to read 1 uh, Timothy and then get together on a weekly basis and discuss these things, so they were talking about discipleship. I was so happy just to hear somebody else out in public talking about Jesus that before we left, I got up and I went and I put money down on the table and I said, breakfast is on me next time. Thank you uh, for being bold and for being here and doing what you're doing. Uh, They blessed my heart for sure, and I wanted to uh, encourage them and bless them back. Um, So as we come back to the Scriptures... We find that Jesus um, starts talking to these guys about what had actually taken place. We get their discouraging, hopeless interpretation of what actually took place. But then Jesus kind of scolds them. And I use that word, scold, loosely. It's the way that I interpret the passage. But he calls them unwise and undiscerning. And he says, how unwise are you to not believe what the Bible says how unwise how foolish not to believe all that the prophets have written about the Messiah so I want you to take this one idea and this one concept this is what I want to drive home this morning with this message, I believe that this is the, the uh, thing that just stands out in this passage more so than anything else. When these guys had uh, lost their hope, uh, when these guys were in the midst of probably the toughest time of their life, Jesus himself comes to these individuals and tells them scriptures. That's all he does. He shares scriptures with them. I think we can do that. Right here, right now, in the middle of our pandemic, the one thing people need more than anything else is to hear the scriptures. Now, what scriptures do they need to hear? Well, there is a a scripture for every situation. Before I share uh, what scriptures I think we need to be sharing with people, I'd like to share with you for just a moment what the Word of God says about the Word of God and why we need to be sharing these scriptures with them. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden from him but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account did you notice in the beginning of that scripture we were talking about an it and by the end of that passage we were talking about a him John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God was God Jesus is the word. And then I quote from Jesus, who is uh, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8: Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God has the power to save you. James chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Romans chapter 10, John chapter 15. The word of God cleanses you. This past week, as I studied for this particular passage, one verse put a smile on my face every time I seen it, every time the Lord brought it to mind. It's Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11. My word, the word of God, Will not return void. The Word of God shall not return empty. It will accomplish what I set forth for it to do, says the Lord Almighty. Rest assured, when you share a passage with somebody, when you share a scripture with somebody, when you share a story with somebody from the Word of God, it does. What it's supposed to do. Now, as I told you a while ago, I asked the question, which ones should we share with the people? Well, you should share the ones that comfort you. Let me repeat that. The stories, the scriptures, the passages that minister to you will minister to the people that are around you. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4 He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we receive from God So the comfort that God has given you through his scriptures through the stories those are the ones that you share with the people around you those are the ones that'll minister right where you're at. I'll share a little story with you. Several years ago, I was pastoring a little church, and uh, things were just not going well at all. And uh, I was discouraged. Everybody was discouraged. And um, I had come to the point to where I didn't know what to do. So uh, I called the director of missions, He, by the way, was the one who got me to that church. So I'm like, this is, no, I wasn't like that. Either way. So I called my director of missions and I said, hey, is there anybody that I can talk to? Things are just not going well down here. Is there there somebody else that I could talk with? And I'll never forget what he says. He said, Ed Sassnet, Ed Sassnet, Ed Sassnet. I said, I think I'll call Ed Sassnet. So, Ed was one of my professors. Um, I took an Old Testament survey course at his church and he taught that, so I was familiar with Ed, already had his phone number. So I called and uh, asked if we, if we could meet, if we could uh, sit down for breakfast one morning or go to lunch, and he says, of course. So, we meet and we sit down and uh, I begin to talk. And he listened. He listened to me. And as I shared my heart and told him what all was going on, he said, Carl, this isn't the last church you're going to pastor. He said, several years ago, I found myself uh, kind of in the same situation, and life was just miserable. And he said, uh, but there was one thing that made me happy, and that was to go and share Jesus with people. He said, so I began to go and knock on doors, and I began to just tell everybody that i would seen about the Lord, because it brought me joy to tell them that, and it brought me joy to see people come to faith in Christ. So did you did you catch what Ed did for me that day? He encouraged my heart. But all he did was tell me the scriptures. You see I already know the great commission. I already know that I should be sharing Jesus with people, right? Maybe it was just a little hint of, this is what makes me happy, that Ed said, because it just happened to be the same thing that makes me happy, right? But whenever I was in the midst of my trials, like these two guys were, when I was in the midst of my quarantine, when I was just down, he shared the Word of God with me. He didn't even tell me he was doing it. You don't have to tell them that it comes from the Bible. There are certain circumstances where it will help. Just share the scriptures with the people. I've talked to a lot of folks this year. Um, One thing is reoccurring over and over and over again. People are scared, they're full of fear. They've got anxiety, they're worrying, and they're scared, but they're full of fear. Can I tell you what the Bible says about fear? Do not fear. 365 times the Bible says, Fear not. That's one for every day of the year. Fear not. And this one might be my favorite. I'm not sure I go back and forth. But, you know, uh, when I ask God to speak to me, he knows, he knows what I'm asking Him to say. He knows what I want to hear. More than anything else, I want to hear from my Father. Father, I love you. I love you you know what people need to know right now? That God loves them. We take that straight from John 3, 16. God loves you. I find people that are burdened with sin right now just pressed down. Here's what I tell them. God's mercies, they're new every morning. And sometimes I've got to tell them that where sin abounds, grace abounds that much, more. That much and more. Folks, share the Scriptures with the people that you find are hurting. And there's one more that just kind of knocks me off of my seat sometimes. The Apostle Paul found himself in a situation that he did not like. In a situation that he didn't ask for. Matter of fact, he didn't want it. He was done with it. And he said that he prayed three times for God to remove his situation. And the Lord Jesus simply said, No. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And then if we could all get to the place the Apostle Paul was (laughs) when he said, uh, okay, I'm going to boast about my weakness then. I'm not there. But I do know that God's grace is sufficient for me, and it is sufficient for you. I want to remind you, that Jesus is walking with you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He said that he would be with us until the end of the age. I want to tell you about a guy in Scripture named Barnabas. And that wasn't his real name. It was a name that he earned. Barnabas was a minister of encouragement. His name literally means... Son of encouragement. Everybody was looking at the situation, talking about all the bad and the negative, and he shows up and says, yeah, but look at this. He did this so often that they finally just started calling him Barney. Well, sorry for personalizing the Scripture like that, but that's just what I do. So Barney was an encourager. And he spoke the truth of God's Word in tough situations. That is uh, what I challenge myself for this year, this coming year, and for you to do. I normally set goals this time of year for the upcoming year. And uh, I prayed and prayed and asked the Lord to kind of do this for me and didn't hear much for a while. But after about week, week three, I said, God, what kind of goals do I need to set for next year? And this is what he said to me. Be positive. I said, really? He said, Yeah. Be positive. That's your goal for twenty twenty one. And I thought, well, surely I can do that. It's in my blood, literally, right? I'm be positive with my blood. I can do this, right? So I shared this with a pastor friend of mine and he says, Ah, great. I said, What? He said, I'm a negative. Well, sorry, that doesn't work out for everybody, but I'm going to be positive for 2021. That's the one that I am going to work on, period. Now, um, something else that the Lord gave me last night. And when he gave me this, I just started crying. And I cried and I cried. And I don't share what I'm preaching with my wife I don't share hardly with anybody. I don't want any outside influence. I just want to hear from Jesus, right? But my wife finally asked me, you all right? I said, yeah, I think so, I don't know. I don't know. But I read in a book years ago, this lady said that God doesn't waste pain. God doesn't waste pain. Now I've thought an awful lot Over the last months and weeks, about all the people that I don't get to see anymore. Literally, I hurt because I want to go see them, but I can't. I hope they want to see me, but they can't. I hurt in that way. I want to see the McCoys. I want to see the Orton's, the Stalls, the Gothard's, the Stewart's, and the list goes on and on and on, but then I stop and think, okay, God doesn't waste pain, Lord, can you give me a scripture for that one? <laughs> Can you give me something for that one? He said, Yeah. I cause all things to work together for good for those who love me and those who are called according to my purpose. So that tells me that the things that I go through in life, that He's in them and that He's making good on it somewhere and somehow. And I cling to that. Now, I'll share one last quick little story with you before I move into the conclusion here. Uh, I was working for a little widow lady one time, and uh, I had wrapped up what I was doing. We were just kind of sitting around and talking at this point. And she shared with me her favorite passage of Scripture. And it always comes to mind at just the right time and it will for you too but to a lady who had lost her husband to a lady who was now living alone and trying to figure out how to do it she told me that her favorite passage is this too shall pass this too pass This pandemic, corona, isolation, quarantine, this too shall pass. God doesn't waste pain. He comes near and He walks with us and He talks with us. Isn't that good news? Now, let me hone back in to the scriptures in this conversation on the road. It says that Jesus started with Moses and went through all of the scriptures that spoke about him. I don't have all of those to share with you this morning, but I do have a few of which I think He might have shared with them this morning. I'm going to simply read those off. If I were to share with these boys, I would say Genesis 126. Let us make man in our image. There's Jesus in that. Genesis chapter 3. He's the one who's going to crush the serpent's head. In Genesis chapter 12, all the nations will be blessed, Abraham, through you. Yeah, that speaks of Jesus. And in Genesis 22, where Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb. Yeah, that's Jesus. He is in the Passover. He was uh, the one that the serpent on the stick pointed to. He was the one that Moses spoke of that said, God will send you another prophet like me. Isaiah seven fourteen, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9. A child will be born for us. We just celebrated that. Isaiah 42. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. Isaiah 50. I gave my back... To those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Isaiah 52 and 53. His appearance was marred beyond recognition. He did not resemble a human being. He was despised and rejected by men. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, our punishment was upon him we are healed by his wounds the lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all and like a lamb led to the slaughter he did not open his mouth yet the lord was pleased to crush him and yet he will see his seed and he will prolong his days psalm 22 my god my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaiah 53 again. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. Psalm 16 speaks of the resurrection. For you will not abandon me to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. And finally, he will revive us. After two days and on the third day, he will raise us up so that we can live in his presence. After Jesus shares the scriptures with these individuals, he tries to part company with them. And they begged him to stay with them. I think there's a sermon just in that right there, they begged him to stay with them and he did and they went and they sat down and he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he distributed it to them and it was at that point when he did the familiar thing that they actually recognized who was sitting with them and who had been talking to them all along. Look for the familiar things. Look for how God has spoken to you in the past to know when He's speaking to you now. And then they conclude their situation with this. Were not our hearts ablaze Was there not warmth in our hearts when he was speaking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures? Folks, when Jesus speaks to you, it warms your heart. He warms you from the inside. And by the way, the best way to hear from the Lord is not with your ears. It's with your heart. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I hope and pray that God has spoke to you this morning. And If you're to the point in life that you need to pray to receive Jesus, you just need to pray a simple prayer of faith. Something like this. Lord Jesus, I heard you speak to my heart this morning. And I open up and I ask you to come into my life. I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. And I pray that you'll take me by the hand and walk with me through this life. I make you the Lord of my life. And now I belong to you. And if you mean that with your heart, God will make you his child. And he will walk with you. I'm going to pray over each and every one of us. And then that will be the conclusion. Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for walking with us. God, it's been a hard year. We haven't been at our best this year. But thank you for being with us. Lord, I pray that you will forgive our shortcomings, um, our attitudes, our bad perspectives. (laughs) And I pray that you'll help us to be positive and to encourage those around us as you encourage us. Help us to comfort those around us, God, as you have comforted us. And help us to walk down the road of 2021 by your side. We love you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.